I feel awesome. I'm no longer hypertensive. I'm no longer depressed. I no longer have joint pain. My skin is so much better. Like, everything is just better. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. I'm excited to have a terrific nutrition and cholesterol researcher on You Cured What? today. But she wasn't interested in nutrition research until she had her own remarkable health transformation. I'm happy to get to discuss that transformation with her on this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Siobhan Huggins. How are you How are you doing today, Siobhan? I'm doing really good. I just want to make one point, just so people don't get confused. Even though I do um, research full-time now, I don't have any degrees, so not to mislead anyone. But I do read a lot, <laughs> and I post <laughs> what I find for other people to read. So I guess that counts. I, I think so. And you got, um, I was listening to a, another podcast you were on and you got a, just uh, a gold star recommendation from Dr. Tro Kalajian. I believe the quote was, I think you know more about lipids than any physician I've met. So, <laughs> well, yeah, he was uh, very flattering. I had a good time on that podcast. <laughs> So your humility aside, um, and that that's appreciated, and that's a great disclaimer. But um, I know I've appreciated a lot of your content over the years. Um, and you know, we're I mentioned you had a remarkable health transformation. I know that from an early age, um, you were afflicted with um, with a few different ailments, um, depression, and um, social anxiety, and then even as you got a little bit older, I think around the age of 18, you started um, having high blood pressure and joint pain. Um, I was wondering if you can give us some of the backstory um, to that and to your, your health journey. Yeah, sure. So when I was a child, I was very, very active. My nickname in the family was actually Muscles. Like I had a six pack when I was six years old. Um, I was in both gymnastics and swimming, just moving all the time. Um, and I think one misconception people can have about depression is it comes about, you know, because you're not exercising or all this stuff. But I didn't start gaining weight until I actually started having symptoms of depression. So the depression actually came first. And it was only after I became depressed at about the age of 10 or 11 or so that I dropped all of my physical activity hobbies, um, which is a sign of depression is not being interested in your hobbies anymore. Um, I became much less social. I was very withdrawn, um, very moody. And then shortly after that, I actually started gaining weight. And, you know, a couple of years down the road, I was then obese. And by the time I was 18, I was hypertensive. And my doctor was freaking, about, freaking out about my lipid panel because my HDL was really low. 
Um, and my cholesterol was really high in a bad context. And that actually concerned me too, because my dad had a heart attack in his forties and, you know, he's okay now, but it was a terrifying experience because I was only about eight years old at the time. And, you know, I didn't want that to happen to me. I didn't want to put my family through that because it's terrifying. Um, even if everybody makes it out okay in the end. And so I had this doctor just furious with me who, who was saying, you know, this is the highest cholesterol I've ever seen in someone your age. You know, your blood pressure is horrible. You're just going to die. <laughs> and um, I, it was a really bad experience. Like after every single appointment with that doctor, I would just sit in the car and cry because <laughs> I was so stressed out. Um, and I had actually said to him, like, I really want to try diet and exercise because I've like, that's really important for heart health and general health. And he said, you could eat grass and drink water and your cholesterol wouldn't change, which is really hilarious to me now <laughs> because <laughs> of the work that I do with, um, Dave Feldman. We do a lot of experiments changing our cholesterol within the space of a few days, um, but regardless, so I had this kind of setup of, I was 18 years old. I was 240 pounds at that time. Um, I, I and was how tall are you? I'm interesting thing. I used to be five one, but wow. after losing 80 pounds, I'm actually five, two and a half now, which apparently isn't uncommon. Like you, I guess because you're like spine is compressed from all the extra weight or something. I have a friend who experienced it as well. She gained like an inch. Um, wow. So five one at the time and 240 pounds, severely obese. Um, and I didn't feel good. My energy was really low. And throughout the period between when I started having depression symptoms from 10, 11 up to 18, I had tried over and over again to be more active because I always heard with depression, exercise will help. Exercise will help. Even though I was active before I got it and I stopped being active because I was depressed. But the other issue was I had no energy. You know, that's something people will comment on often with metabolic syndrome is you're just tired all the time. And with depression too, like you have no motivation to do anything. And if you do, you have to sleep for like half a day because it's, it just takes everything out of you. Um, but I took up running at certain points. I took up endurance walking at certain points and just nothing was helping. Well, it and, seems like that could be a, a really like vicious cycle too. If, if you don't feel up to exercise and then you feel like you should and that you have to, I, I feel like you could easily um, get in a cycle in your own head about, well, I should feel like exercising. Maybe I'd feel better, but it wasn't actually. Yeah. And to be fair, I have heard for some people exercise does help. Um, but for me, I think the main point was my depression was largely stemming from, you know, as a symptom of metabolic syndrome. So I was likely depressed because I wasn't healthy. Um, and so the only way to really fix that for me is to get healthier and kind of get rid of the root of the problem. And, but yeah, you're right. It did feed into a vicious cycle of, you know, I have to get healthier. I'm going to end up like my dad. 
I don't want to do that to mom because she's already gone through that once. I don't want to do that to dad because, you know, that sucks for him too. Um, and it eventually turned into calorie restricting. Like it started out at, you know, 1200 calories and I would lose a little bit of weight and then it'd come back on hungry all the time. Um, and then it would go even lower. And at a certain point, I think right before I started keto, I had been doing months of cycling between going down to 800 calories a day, feeling absolutely horrible. The calorie restriction was actually triggering um, really bad mood swings on top of the depression. And I would feel really shaky, not have ener- any energy. Um, and at one point, I was so sick of it because it wasn't working. And I actually asked mom, what is the minimum number of calories I need to survive? Because I'm just going to do that. And she didn't answer me because she was like, (sighs) no, (laughs) don't do that. Um, But I would cycle between that and, you know, almost binge eating because I was just hungry. And it sucked. (laughs) Um, And at one point, I was actually going to go back into calorie restricting again. This was um, in August of 2016. And I talked to mom about it. And I was like, I'm going to do this again. You know, I'm going to eat healthier. It's going to be whole foods, like the last however many times I tried it. Um, She's like, "Um, instead of doing that, (laughs) uh, I've been looking into this thing called keto. Why don't we try it together? Uh, And I was like kind of skeptical at the time because she just handed me a magazine article, but it was just something she had had on hand. Uh, But on the other hand, I like my mom is one of the smartest people I know. So I decided to look into it myself. Like one thing I heard all the time was if I ever had a question is like, go look it up (laughs) and don't know a word, go look it up in the dictionary. Something I heard like 50 million times throughout my childhood. So I went and looked it up and I found a couple things that, did seem to show it could help a lot of people. Um, And me and my mom started keto together. I started about like a week before she did. Um, And what I told myself in the beginning was if this works for weight loss, I will do it for two months to see if it works or not. And if it does work, then I have to do it forever. Because if I go back to what I was doing, I'll end up back where I was. And I don't, want to do that (laughs) like if something works then I have to stick with it um if I can and at the end of two months um I had lost 20 pounds and my joint pain was gone and I think it took a while longer for my blood pressure to normalize but that can happen sometimes um but one thing I noticed again about two months in is I was standing in a parking lot of a farm store that me and mom were going to And I was kind of trying to figure out what I was feeling because I could, I at least knew enough that it was unusual, but I didn't know what it was at first. And it took me a minute, but I realized that like you'll have less bad days, but you don't have days where you're standing in a parking lot and you're just happy to be there and happy to have an awesome mom and happy to have an awesome family and happy to go home and eat good food and happy to go to her farm and help out. Like that wasn't a thing (laughs) for like nearly a solid decade of my life that didn't exist. And the only thing that had changed was my diet. I had gone on a ketogenic diet 
And within two months, sure, I had lost 20 pounds, but for me, like visually, I couldn't really tell a huge difference. It was the food (laughs) that had put my depression into remission. And since then, barring one experiment, which we'll talk about, um, it's been in complete symptom-free remission. I'm not on any medication, and I'm actually less active than I was as a child. Um, I've lost 80 pounds since I started the diet, and I feel awesome. I'm no longer hypertensive. I'm no longer depressed. I no longer have joint pain. My skin is so much better. Like, everything is just better. (laughs) Like, everything. That's incredible. Um, I think a lot of people would be very surprised to hear that. I mean, just the fact that you went from for, like you said, nearly a decade without truly feeling contentment. And then largely, you know, you said barring, barring an experiment that we will uh, get to later, you know, you've, you haven't felt that depression, um, you know, largely since that time. And that's been like three and a half years now. Yeah, three and a half years. And I think one thing that can really help people understand what it's like, because having depression kind of changes everything you experience. And one thing that really comes to mind when I think back to what it was like is, I mean, largely things were just a fog. Things started blending together. I I assumed largely that everyone hated me. Um, and that was something I had to coach myself out of even after keto because when I went keto the social anxiety that I had that was largely a symptom of the depression that was happening is I would have all this negative self-talk and this would result in me assuming how other people felt about me that took a lot of training to get out of even after the depression was gone because it was almost a habit at that point but one thing that largely changed is every single day my dad would come home from work And he would see me working at the computer, doing schoolwork, doing work, whatever. And he would ask me, how was your day? And every single day, I would either not respond or give a one-word answer. My stock response was usually, like, decent or, like, I'm alive. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I guess that's better than the alternative. Um, But that question actually really hurt me um not that he attended it that way like he was my dad he loves me he's coming home he wants to see how I'm doing all that type all that type of stuff but the reason that it hurt me is that question reminded me how bad I was doing like every single day and I never told him that (laughs) like I still don't think I've ever told him that um because it's like that just sucks (laughs) that just sucks like depression changes how you experience those little interactions to where it becomes a negative even though it was never intended that way even though you know for a lot of people that's a really nice question to hear hey someone cares about me they're checking in on me but for me it was I'm not doing well (laughs) in fact I'm bad (laughs) but at the same time you can't say that um, because then usually the lead-up question is well why and it's like I don't know why (laughs) I'm depressed (laughs) I'm doing sucky because I'm depressed and as far as I know there's nothing I can do about it like I grew up hearing 
you know, my other siblings have depression and it's probably coming for you too. It runs in the family. Like it was treated as genetic and inescapable and you're just doomed to it. And lo and behold, I did get depressed and it felt like there was nothing I could do about it. So contemplating and self-reflecting, how do I feel? Bad, (laughs) just Uh bad. And now, you know, if someone asks that question, it's like, I feel awesome. My life is really good. I love my job. I love my friends. I love my family. I love my boyfriend. I love, you know, the animals that are around me. I love where I live. And it's, it's just this total, like if you haven't been there, even, you know, temporarily, it's really, really hard to understand. And like even my mom, um, she actually went to the first ketogenic conference that I went to, which was KetoFest in summer of 2017. And she was talking to people there. And these were people I interacted with on a daily basis, um, just chatting with that were also in the community. And they were like, oh, yeah, she never, like, stops talking. (laughs) And mom was like, if you had seen her, like, a year ago, you wouldn't recognize her. Because she is, like, a totally different person. Like, at KetoFest, I was going, going up to, you know, Dave. That's where I first met him in person. That's I was uh, Dave, Dave Feldman, correct? Yes, Dave Feldman. Um, and I actually am his colleague now, which is still weird to think about. <laughs> um, but I was going up to, like, Ivor Cummins. I was talking to all these people. I never, ever, ever would have done that before. And granted, it was really hard at the time. But at the same time, because I wasn't depressed and I didn't have as much negative self-talk, I was able to talk to people and I was able to have fun. And a big reason why I'm even working with Dave now is because I was able to think at the time at KetoFest, if I don't talk to him, I'm going to really regret it. And I was, I had the motivation to talk to people who I really enjoyed talking to and who I wanted to learn from. And it, so (laughs) I guess you could say that the ketogenic diet for me beyond the weight loss, it changed my life. It changed my career. It gave me friends. It gave me optimism. It gave me happiness. I, I don't even know where I would be if I hadn't, if mom hadn't suggested it to me three and a half years ago. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't, you know, there's a lot of what ifs there that I don't really want to get into, but I'm glad I did. I can say that much. I, I can't imagine a much stronger testimony for, uh, for the ketogenic diet um, than what you just gave. It seems like your, your entire world just really, really flipped. And, you know, I, I think that's, a very poignant, um, poignant question, you know, that before an innocent mean, you know, your dad meant a question so innocently, like, Hey, how are you doing today? But just the, you know, the state that you were in, that question was a very negative thing. And it, um, you know, it was interpreted in that way, and it probably reminded you of the, you know, the negative state that you were in, and the fact that now that same question just brings out like thoughts of 
uh, joy and optimism. That's really remarkable. Yeah. And one thing that people have kind of suggested, because I've talked about having depression and depression going in remission on social media, they'll bring up a couple questions, which are reasonable questions like, are you just not depressed now because you now have a community who understands you? It's like, no, not really, because when my depression went into remission, nothing had really changed. I wasn't active in the community. I was posting on like one Facebook group and listening to a single podcast. Um, I wasn't really interacting with people any more than normal. And, um, you know, maybe it's because I have motivation to research now. I wasn't researching at the time. Um, And, yeah, another important thing to bring up is it can come back. So I try to say, you know, I manage depression. I wouldn't necessarily say I cured it because if the environment changes, I'm still susceptible to it. It's kind of like the difference between managing and curing type 2 diabetes. There's big arguments about that. Um, But, you know, throughout the time of being on keto, there have been cases where I'm eating out at a restaurant and there's a sauce or a dip or something that had, you know, like cornstarch or flour in it or sugar even, and I didn't realize. Um, and that evening, I would sure know <laughs> because I this pessimism would come back and I would, it was just not good. Um, the biggest showcase of that is the high carb experiment that I did back in July. Um Dave had done a similar experiment where he had eaten white bread and lean meat to lower his cholesterol. (laughs) His other markers worsened significantly, but it did end up working pretty tremendously. And I had been doing research into another marker that I found was tracking with LDL. And I kind of wanted to see if it would follow in that scenario, but I wasn't doing white bread and lean meat (laughs) um, because bread is kind of super off limits. It's definitely bad. Um, from what I've experienced. And so I wanted better carbs. So I picked black beans. I had a couple spices, um, lean chicken breast, and eventually I added um, honey, which I've heard in the carnivore community, it's usually not much of an issue uh, with honey. And then bananas, like it's fruit, it's healthy, whatever. Um, And I specifically went out of my way to do that because the number one rule for Dave and I is safety first. And I knew off the bat that if it was, you know, eating bread for like a week, that's not safe uh, for me. Um, Even he had issues with it. I was with him in person while he was doing that experiment. He was super grumpy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And anyone who, um, if you're not familiar with Dave, um, Dave Feldman is... Um, he posts a lot online, and he is one of the most optimistic, uh, just cheerful personalities that um, that I see um, posting on Twitter. So I can only—it's yeah. <laughs> hard for me to imagine a grumpy Dave Feldman. Yeah, and and in person, he's exactly the same. Um, I basically imagine him as like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh in human form, <laughs> like obnoxiously chipper. Um, but yeah, during that experiment, he kind of experienced, um, a little piece of what I've been through. Um, but yeah, so I formulated with healthier carbs, like whole food type of stuff with the intention and with the expectation that it wouldn't really impact my mood much. Like maybe I'd be a little bit less energized than usual, but nothing that severe. 
I knew on the onset that I was going to gain weight. Um, I seemed to be particularly sensitive to diet as far as weight gain. And it was a hypercaloric experiment. So I was eating like double what I normally do for a portion of it. And the entire experiment was eight days long. Um, but I actually had after effects from that um, beyond just during the experiment where I was very drowsy. I had to take naps during the day. Um, a little bit moodier than usual. A little bit more pessimistic than usual. Um, and then beyond that, uh, I actually had two conferences I had to go to immediately after that experiment, like within a couple days. Um, and one of them was Cato Fest, where I gave a presentation. And that now is probably one of my favorite presentations I've given. But at the time, immediately after stepping off the stage, um, that negative self-talk was back where it was like, you really messed it up. Nobody really understood what you were talking about. They didn't get the points you were trying to make, like all that. While people were coming up to me being like, hey, that was a really awesome presentation. I've been hoping people would speak about this stuff. Like, it was like, even in my own head, <laughs> I was arguing with myself, like, this viewpoint is contradicting with the actual evidence you have in front of you. Like, if people didn't like it, they'd just leave. They wouldn't come up <laughs> to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then immediately after that, I had low carb San Diego and there was a portion at the after party where, you know, people were mingling and whatever. And I had to just step out for a moment and cry for no reason, <laughs> absolutely wow. no reason. And <laughs> in case people aren't aware, that's not normal for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> those, those mood after effects where I was less pessimistic, I was less creative, um, in my free time, I'll work on kind of tinkering around with designing knitting projects of my own. That went away completely. Um, it was random crying bouts. I actually, my poor, poor boyfriend, I visited my boyfriend directly after um, Low Carb San Diego. So he got the brunt of that as well. I was way more agitated than usual, way more withdrawn than usual. And even he was like, are you okay? Because <laughs> you don't seem okay. It's like, no, not really. Um, what's, the, what's the timeline on this? Like, um, you had your eight-day CARM experiment and then right. the two so, conferences. So by the time you visited your boyfriend, how much? It had been maybe like two weeks or so since the experiment. Okay. So, But I stayed with him for, I think it was like two or three months. Um, okay. And it took from the end of the experiment, it took two months to get back to normal. Wow. So wow. <laughs> bless him and... for putting up with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, and <laughs> from that, I very much learned, oh, no, it wasn't losing weight because I didn't feel bad about gaining weight during that experiment. I expected it. It was a part of, you know, it was a part of the experiment, really. So I had nothing to feel guilty about. I wasn't going off of track. It was all intentional, but it still impacted my mood severely. And yet my social network was the same. Um, my work was the same. My research was the same. All of it was the same. And the only thing that had changed is what I had eaten before that two months. And wow. so for me, it really highlights the point for me and for some others too, that diet can have a massive impact on your mood 
well beyond what you may even recognize. And Dave has experienced some of this with some of his experiments too. Like I mentioned, he had an added dextrose experiment that was particularly bad. And one thing he'll say about it is that he and I have this advantage of, you know, some people will go off of their diet during the holidays or during stressful situations. And there's really no way to know whether it's the stress of interacting with family members you haven't seen in a long time or the stress and guilt of going off of a diet that, you know, makes you feel better or whether it's actually the food that's impacting their mood after. And for him and I, like, there's no question about it. (laughs) Like we go into these experiments of, okay, this probably isn't going to be super pleasant. The food isn't that great, but you know, having all of this planned down to exactly when, what you're going to eat, that being pretty much exactly the same every single day, um, and having that emotional separation from eating something else and then having these consequences, sometimes very severe consequences from it as far as mood and energy and optimism and all this type of stuff, it, it just highlights, you know, especially if you have a history of depression, and it's gone into remission through keto or carnivore or whatever, that if you go off, this may be a side effect. And if you're going to do that, please just be careful and be aware that it may happen. I know for some people it doesn't always, um, but it's something people might want to keep in mind because if it comes out of nowhere, you can be like, what's wrong with me? What is happening? You know, and another thing for me is like I know Amber has talked about this as well with regards to bipolar disorder, but if something gets better, you have this constant looming fear for a while that it will, everything will suddenly undo and it'll come back. Like I even felt that way about losing weight. I had lost the 20 pounds and I was like, okay, but any minute now, (laughs) this is going to stop working and I'm going to gain it all back. And it doesn't, but it can take a long time to break out of that fear. And if you you know, eat something off plan and it does affect you like it affects me, if you're not aware that that can happen, it can bring that paranoia back where it's like, maybe this isn't working anymore when actually it's just you weren't eating as keto as you thought or you had a little treat and it impacted you in ways that you didn't expect. So I think talking about it is extremely important. And, you know, especially people who are suffering depression and haven't tried nutritional options. it's not very often talked about in the therapy spaces. I know Georgia Ede talks about it quite often and she offers counseling to kind of get through it and guide people. And sometimes it's dismissed as, you know, completely, you know, hogwash baloney. <laughs> so, but I mean, I can speak from my own experience. Um, you know, I don't have randomized control trials, although I'm sure they may exist or will eventually take place, but you know, the thing that Georgie talks about is there's, you know, look at the trade-off. If it doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work. You're back where you started. <laughs> what yeah. have you lost? Not really anything. But if it works, you know, what's the downside? You're eating something different. Like sometimes that can be quite impactful for people, especially because food is so involved in culture and social events and things like that. But there are many things you can do to kind of adapt to that and not lose that at the same time. So it's kind of high high, high reward, low risk, potentially. So 
you know, it is worth discussing at the very least. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a, yeah, like a great wager to take on, you know, as he said, uh, low, you know, the risk reward ratio is uh, very skewed towards, you know, potential reward uh, for, for uh, you know, improving, improving your diet. And I'm, you know, I'm curious with that, because I think you've, you've articulated it well, that both in, um, I guess, in, in both directions, um, both in kind of healing and in um, putting your depression into remission, and also your joint pain, um, and your hypertension, you know, that you, you pretty well identified one variable, and it was nutrition. Likewise, when some of those symptoms have uh, come back, it's been due to, you know, your, your experiment, your nutritional intervention experiment with a, a high carbohydrate experiment. Um, some of those symptoms came back, and again, that was the one variable. So that is a very scientific approach, and you saw you saw how things shifted in both ways. But with that, I'm curious um, for any listeners who may not be that familiar with um, with some of these strategies. Um, you know, you mentioned in August 2016 you started eating a, a ketogenic diet. What um, you know? what types of foods did you transition from and what types of foods did you transition to? I guess a lot of people, if they hear your, you know, the success that you've had, they probably are dying to know, Hey, what, uh, you know, what were those successful foods that really um, benefited you? Yeah. So when I was a kid, um, we actually largely ate pretty healthy, I guess you could say in the family, like conventionally considered healthy, um, mom would grow vegetables in the backyard that we would eat, like potatoes, um, onions, that type of stuff, berries, fruit. Um, we didn't really eat dessert very often, um, mostly because mom didn't like to bake. And if you wanted any snack type thing, you had to buy it yourself. Um, kind of once I had enough allowance, I was eating more along the lines of pasta and sandwiches just because they were easy. Um, Donuts and candy were brought in, soda, that type of stuff. So kind of the standard American diet is what I transitioned from. Um, and when I first started keto, um, it was omnivorous keto, so I was eating plenty of vegetables. Um, we were eating like bunless hamburgers, uh, curry that we made ourselves. A lot of it was home cooked, although we did eat things like stuff from McDonald's or there was a Indian restaurant nearby that had like high fat, low carb curries and stuff that we could eat. Um, plenty of meat, uh, things like roasted cauliflower. Um, we made stuff like fathead pizza and I would occasionally make things like, um, it was kind of like a brownie crust with a cheesecake topping that I would bring into work for potlucks, but it was keto and it didn't seem to bother me in any sort of way. Um, so stuff like that. So kind of the standard keto fare, um, stuff you can find on like diet doctor. They have a whole bunch of recipes that we used. And after a while, 
Um, in October of 2017, I started transitioning more towards carnivore because I had seen a presentation from Amber O'Hearn. And she was kind of making the point that it is possible not to eat vegetables. I mean, that wasn't the point of her presentation, but um, her being kind of exudes that aura. <laughs> so it made me really curious about it. Um, and so I kind of only started including vegetables that I really enjoyed, which ended up not being really much of anything. And finally, I just made a hard switch over to carnivore in October. And I've been carnivore ever since. So I guess that's, uh, is it two years? I don't know. Probably, yeah, something like two years, something like that. Um, and, and so when you say carnivore, you're talking about, um, you know, removing any plant food. So no fruits, no vegetables, no nuts, no seeds, uh, no potatoes, no bread, no rice, um, no grains. We're talking, right. you know, just straight like meat, eggs. Um, I don't know, do you have uh, dairy products? Yeah, so um, carnivore can kind of vary depending on who you're talking to because people will adjust depending on what they can tolerate and what they enjoy. Um, so I'll eat all types of meat, duck, goose, uh, chicken, turkey, pork is a favorite of mine, beef, lamb. Um, I'll also eat high-fat dairy products. Um, so even with carnivore, I stay more towards the higher fat. And now I'm actually... Um, Keto AF, which is keto animal foods, which is a very, very high fat carnivore, um, more ketogenic ratios there. Um, so the dairy products are like hard cheeses, um, lots and lots of heavy cream. Um, I will sometimes eat spices, but I usually don't because just because they're a bother and I don't want to. Um, I do drink tea. I used to drink coffee, but I don't anymore. Um, yeah, so I used to eat eggs, but unfortunately, um, I actually developed an allergy to them. Um, that's an interesting story in itself. I got very sick with an office bug um, shortly after going carnivore, and I was eating egg drop soup that I made by hand. We had like lamb broth in the freezer, and I was adding eggs to it while heating it up, so the eggs were only partially cooked. And immediately after that, I started having symptoms and... Um, have since confirmed with the blood test that it's an actual allergy, so that sucks. Um, but I did okay. used to eat a lot of eggs. I really enjoyed them, and I'm very sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will eat some processed meat like pepperoni or salami. Um, I have lardo in the fridge that I need to finish off, which is cured pork fat. Um, so, yeah, all sorts of – if it comes from an animal, I'll pretty much eat it. Um, roe, fish. Uh, scallops and stuff like that. Although those are less usually, um, less often, mostly just because I don't really go out of my way to get them, but I do occasionally enjoy them. Okay. That's, uh, that's very interesting. And, you know, you just rattled off a lot of variety within something that I think a lot of people would hear <laughs> at first, um, you know, the first time they hear the word carnivore, you would think, oh, like that, that seems very restrictive and very uh, monotonous, very uh, the same thing over and over. But you clearly have found a lot of um, a lot of good variety there. Yeah, um, there is a lot of variety that you can have with carnivore if you enjoy it. Um, a lot of people tend to find that they'll kind of find something that they enjoy and just stick with it. Um, but some people do do go for more 
like they'll create recipes with it. Um, you know, they'll eat marrow and brain and liver and all the organs. I do enjoy brain and marrow, um, not so much liver. But um, I have made like carnivore custards. Um, there's like Amber has a uh, pork fat um, sauce that you can make. So it's uh, essentially like a hollandaise sauce where it's um, pork fat and then egg yolk and you mix them together to make a really fatty sauce, which is awesome. Um, over Christmas, we had a spatchcock turkey, which is probably the best turkey I've ever had. I would highly suggest it. Um, so it was brined in salt and no spices, but something else like baking soda or something. And then cooked, and it was delicious. Um, but yeah, for me, I usually actually stick to pretty much the same thing. Um, like I'll bulk buy like pork or ground beef and eventually I'll want something else after like several weeks and then I'll eat that for several weeks to several months and then I'll switch again. Um, but there are options available if I want them, which is always nice. Um, but yeah, I really expected going in that it would be boring because I kind of started it as an experiment like, oh, I'll do this for one month and then I'll stop. <laughs> and as is true for many people who do that, they kind of get stuck in the carnivore trap. Where it's like, oh, I actually really like these benefits and now I don't want to go back. Uh, one big thing for me was actually with the standard American diet and keto as well, I I was kind of able to objectively tell that food was good, but I didn't really have that brain lighting up, oh, this is delicious kind of feeling. Uh, and then after a couple of weeks into carnivore, I started like, getting goosebumps while I was eating something particularly good, like getting really excited for meals. Um, so that's a huge, huge benefit for me. Uh, and I also lost some additional weight from it, like 20 or 25 pounds or something. Um, so that's included in the 80 that I talk about. Um, my skin got significantly better. My hair got significantly better. Um, and I just enjoy it more. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, um, that is phenomenal. And you mentioned a few health benefits right there. I'm curious, um, just going back to, uh, you know, before you started when you were on the standard American diet, and then um, in 2016, you, you began with keto before a couple years later transitioning to um, a carnivorous diet. Um, what was the timeline on on some of these um, some of these changes. I know uh, one thing I found interesting is you mentioned that um, your joint pain was was gone before, you know, it's not like you had lost all 80 pounds before um, your joint pain went away. I think a lot of people might assume, oh, it's just, you know, the weight came off and so there's less pressure. But in your case, before you had lost all that weight, it went away. So I'm curious, um, you know, both with, uh, with, the with your depression symptoms and your joint pain and your high blood pressure. Um, how long after you began the ketogenic diet did some of those things, uh, start to improve? So for depression, it was in complete symptom free remission in two months. Um, and I hear that's a pretty typical timeline, although for some people more troubleshooting and stuff is required. Um, the joint pain was about the same. 
And yeah, I've also heard that, you know, oh, you lost weight, so there's less pressure. And for sure, 20 pounds is not nothing. But at the same time, I had um, chronic joint pain in my elbow, which does not have pressure on it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that went away as well. Um, And uh, one thing is the joint pain will come back if, you know, I eat something off plan or uh, like the high carb experiment, or if I sleep really poorly for several days in a row, it'll come back. So I don't think it's actually related to pressure. Um, cause I don't suddenly gain like 50 pounds <laughs> within. <the year. laughs> um, so there's that. And, um, on that note, there was a presentation from low carb Denver or low carb Breckenridge that talked about chronic pain that essentially said the same thing, um, that people will, see kind of improvements in a couple weeks to a couple months and it's before significant weight loss as far as joint pain goes. Um, so yeah, there's that. My skin got better over a couple months. I used to have like acne on the forehead and on the jaw and stuff like that. Um, I also still have, um, keratosis polaris, which is a type of eczema on my arms. But it used to be really bad, like it would be bright red, um, like feeling my skin, it would feel like I had goosebumps all the time. Um, and now it's much more smooth, it's not really red at all. Um, and I think it's even still continuing to get a little bit better um, over time. I used to have mild eczema between my fingers, um, and that disappeared, I want to say, within the first year. I'm not sure of an exact timeline. Um, same, I had dry and cracked heels that my mom would also get, and that went away within the first year. Um, the keratosis polaris improved on keto, but then once I went carnivore, it also got significantly better. So that's over a time span of several years, I guess. Um, hair improvement was within the first six months. I used to have very frizzy, dandruffy hair. And that improved. It was actually something one of my family members commented on early on. Like, is your, did you do something different with your hair? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, And then, and again, improved with carnivore to where the um, dandruff disappeared. And then I also used to get um, scalp breakouts. And that has gone away. I think also partially because I moved away from conventional hair products um, because they were irritating my skin. Um, let's see, what else? <laughs> There's so many things. <laughs> um, the obesity was over the course of, I mean, it's still continuing. I'm no longer obese, um, but I still have like 20 to 30 pounds to lose or something. And that's experimenting and finding different things. And it's coming off a little bit at a time. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, another thing that the women might find interesting is I used to have, um, really bad, like, PMS and cramping and stuff really irregular as far as the cycle goes and it got worse initially during like the first two months and then over like the next three months it's now like my gynecologist is super happy and was like I wish I hear about this happening all the time because it's now like totally regular no cramping at all um new no mood changes at all um which I think isn't very often discussed but that type of stuff can be really devastating for some women because it can get so severe and um, when I was on the standard American diet it was actually getting progressively worse every month like more painful Um, so I'm glad that's now much better so that was over the course of I guess like six months wow that's 
<laughs> that is just a litany of uh, of health improvements, and um, it's yeah, it's phenomenal the way you've gone about it. And it seems like um, you know you've you've continued to learn and evolve your approach over time. Um, I'm curious, do you have any for someone who's interested in um, in hearing more about this? I know you've you've mentioned a couple. Um, a couple resources already, and I'll I'll link to those in the show notes. But um, do you have any recommended resources for people who are looking to learn more about this and potentially get started on a similar path? Yeah. So the number one recommendation I make um, for anyone who's new and maybe they don't want to delve into the science much, or maybe they do. Maybe they just want recipes, other stuff. Basically anything on earth um, is Diet Doctor. Um, it's really high quality stuff. Um, they post about new things that are coming out as far as the science. They have interviews with people. They have a bajillion recipes. They have a podcast. So it's all kind of in one place. Um, there are about a million different podcasts. I can't list them all. Um, but just start exploring there. That's how I got started into it. I found the two keto dudes podcast about a month into keto and that was super helpful. Um, Georgia Ede, if you're interested in depression and mood disorders and all that type of stuff and nutrition, she actually has consulting that she does. Um, if you're maybe trying to troubleshoot something, she can kind of help figure out what's going on. Um, she also has a website diagnosis diet where she has free articles that you can read through. Um, Amber O'Hearn has some stuff. Um, she has two websites. Um, I believe it's ketotic.org. Don't hate me if I got that wrong. And <laughs> Empirica, um, E-M-P-I, I'm not going to spell it, whatever. I'll link it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't spell. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, if you're interested in the cholesterol side of things, which we didn't really super talk about this time, um, I post pretty frequently to cholesterolcode.com. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, yeah, so there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> and yeah, if, you well, need, and if you're looking for anything in particular, feel free to like tweet at me and I'll try and dig something up for what you're looking for. Okay, okay. And what is your, uh, your Twitter account for, for those listening? It's at Siobhan underscore Huggins. Um, hopefully it'll be in the show notes so people don't have to spell it. <laughs> I, I, will, first. <laughs> I will make sure I get that in the show notes. But um, yeah, I know I yeah certainly highly recommend that people follow you and check out your work. I have to express my appreciation. I remember um, submitting a question. It's probably been a, a year and a half or so ago to... Uh, cholesterolcode.com. And I don't even know if you were full-time there at the time or not, but um, I had a question about my cholesterol. I was um, I was surprised by um, a number in my um, LDL, um, my LDL measurement. And um, you came back with a description that fit me to a T. You, um, you said, oh, well, that might be like, do you by any chance do resistance training or something oh, like yeah, that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, it just uh, filled me with a lot of confidence. It shows how much experience and knowledge um, you have and that you've gained 
in your your time researching this that you could accurately pinpoint um, something in my life just based on a you know an internet comment um, and just looking at a few numbers from a uh, from a lipid panel um, you were able to yeah figure that out about me so um, yeah I, I love the the research that you and uh, and Dave do at cholesterol code you're constantly um, posting really interesting experiments and um, thought-provoking data for um, for anyone to consider. So, yeah, I, I definitely give a, a high recommendation to any listeners to check that out. Um, you know, I think I'm curious too with with your health transformation. How has um, how's your doctor responded to um, to the changes that you've undergone these last few years? So the previous doctor that I had that made the kind of <laughs> berated me for my health issues, um, I fired him. <laughs> so I don't talk to him anymore. I have no idea what his response would be. Um, but I actually went back to my family doctor, which is kind of what my parents use. Um, and he's open to it. Um, he's been very supportive. I don't think he openly advocates for low carb or anything like that. Um, but he has said he has several low carb patients and they're doing well. Um, I have told him I'm carnivore and showed him the labs that I had privately ordered, which was like several pages long. And he flipped through it and said, there's not really any issue that he could tell. And as long as that continues to be the case, he's happy for me. Um, I remember one point in particular, the first visit I had with him, um, it was, I think like eight months into keto and I was kind of describing, Hey, I used to be this weight. Um, here's, you know, like my previous medical records, I used to be hypertensive, blah, blah, blah. And he was asking a couple questions that probably related to keto specifically. So he was asking about any dizziness, any muscle cramps, any, um, kind of joint swelling, which are usually electrolyte issues, which can pop up. And I said, no, actually, um, the swelling in my joints has gone down significantly since I've gone keto. In fact, I've dropped um, two shoe sizes. <laughs> and Whoa. he was like, oh, <laughs> okay, wow. well, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, all now, um, like every time I go into an appointment, he's one of those really uh, fortunate doctors who has the ability to schedule like 45 minute appointments. So the first five minutes will be like, how are you doing better than last year? Here's my labs. Okay. They look good. Okay. Here's this research that I'm bringing in. So you can look at, <laughs> here's what I've been working on. Um, here's some papers that might be interesting. And then if Dave and I learn anything through interacting with people on cholesterol code, um, like things to watch out for, or things that need to be kind of followed up on. I'll share it back with him so he can know for his patients. Um, and my dad has kind of commented, he should be paying you, not the other way around. But I'm happy to share whatever. And he actually does read it. Um, both at the appointment, I'll have like a summary with highlighted portions. And then um, it has the name of the actual study so he can go read it later. And he's been pretty receptive to it. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. Um, another question for you that we always ask on this podcast, 
Uh, now that you've improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? Um, I think for me, the largest thing would be coming on these podcasts and going to the conferences. I never could have done anything like this before. Um, like talking to someone about my life. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, going to the conferences is huge because there are so many different people that I can meet and talk to and have great discussions with. Not only the speakers, but also the attendees bring some really interesting questions and really great discussions and like all of that. Like just the sense of community is definitely there and being able to be part of it where I wouldn't have before and probably couldn't have before um, is really special to me. So that would probably be it, just enjoying life to its fullest. Wow, that's incredible. And um, you know, I want to be respectful of your time here. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, Shaban. I think you've you've got such a valuable experience and perspective. And now uh, you're clearly very eager to give back and uh, to help other people on their journey to you know hopefully find some of the optimism and just overall well-being that it seems like um, this nutritional intervention has really helped you achieve. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on, Siobhan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And I'm really excited to see where your podcast is going to go because I think you have a really, really cool idea here. So I'm excited. Uh, well, thank you very much. And I'll make sure um, I link in the show notes to uh, give people access to get a hold of you. And um, I know you even moderate a couple of uh, Facebook groups. So there are a lot of avenues to um, to follow Siobhan and get in touch with her. And I'll make sure those are in the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on and um, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another story of healing.